Hey everyone, before we start, I want to talk about two quick things. First of all is a movie I missed from last week called Moth. I'm not going to talk about it. It looks terrible. If you want to look it up, look it up. It came out on the 21st and it looks like a student movie that somehow got a theatrical release. Not a wide one, mind you. Uh, I don't see this plane anywhere near me. It looks awful, not worth anyone's time, so forget I even mentioned it. And next in the podcast, I call Warren Beatty out. Well, I don't call him out. I just blame him for the mistake that happened during the Oscars. It has since come to my attention that it was not his fault. In fact, he had trouble getting the card out of the envelope to read it. So he asked Faye Dunaway for help, who did it for him, read it, and it said La La Land. But it turns out he had was given the wrong envelope. Someone backstage blamed Warren Beatty, saying that he grabbed the wrong one and ran off, but I really think it's that stagehand's fault, because why was another one out there? They should have be waiting with one envelope for him, going, here, take this, but I don't want to get any further into it, and just in case I say something else that's wrong, but right now I'm going to correct what I say in the podcast, and it's not Warren Beatty's fault. So on with the show. Why, hello there, future fans. It is another week with new movies, and the Academy Awards were on Sunday. What movies are Hollywood offering up this week? What movies won the Oscars? And more importantly, what is my pick of the week? Find out next on episode 32 of Future Flicks. All right, everyone, welcome. Like I said, this is episode 32, and the podcast is called Future Flicks. Thus, I am Billiam. Do you like how my logic worked on that? Future Flicks is Billiam. Show is called Future Flicks. I'm Billiam. I'm so smart. Anyway, let's get started with just a little bit of information in this podcast. I talk about all the movies coming out during the week. I give you my thoughts. I give them a rating, which I call the Bill Score, B-I-L, Billiam's Interest Level. That goes on a scale of 0 to 11, and only those special movies get an 11, and only those special terrible movies get a 0. Let's do some early housekeeping. You can listen to me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and any podcast listening app. Need to contact me? That information is in the show notes, and it will be at the end of the episode as well. But let's start this week, as we do every week, with the news. We have two sad passings this week. First off, actor Bill Paxton died at the age of 61 due to having a massive stroke during heart surgery. This news broke on February 25th. He was known for films like Aliens, Twister, Terminator, Edge of Tomorrow, Titanic, Apollo 13, True Lies, and Weird Science, some of the most iconic movies of all time. He was rarely a leading man, but he has been in more great movies than probably anyone else before. The next passing was that of Judge Joseph Wapner. People my age, maybe a little younger, and of course older, will know him as the first judge on the show The People's Court. He passed away on the, at the age of 97. When it comes to the movies from last week, my pick of the week, the movie Get Out by writer-director Jordan Peele, won the weekend with a $30.5 million gross. And my friends, before I get to the Oscar results, a little bit of Oscar news before the awards. 
the Academy rescinded the Oscar nomination for Greg P. Russell for sound mixing for the movie 13 Hours. It's because he called other Academy members and told them about his work. This is in direct violation of the campaign regulations prohibiting telephone lobbying. So it's perfectly okay to send a mother brand new TV for a for your consideration gift, but heaven forbid you call them up. Holy sh! This guy's a monster. This is stupid and further proof that the Oscars are bull and really don't matter. And speaking of things that don't matter, the results for the biggest categories are as follows. The best animated feature film was Zootopia. Best supporting actor, Mayor Shala Ali for Moonlight. Best supporting actress, Viola Davis for Fences. Best actor, Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Best actress, Emma Stone for La La Land. And in a very Steve Harvey-like moment, the best picture went to Moonlight, but was first announced for La La Land. It wasn't until the La La Land people were halfway through their speech that the wrong was corrected. This time, instead of Steve Harvey, we have Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway to blame for this. So Moonlight won Best Picture instead of La La Land, which was the unstoppable beast this award season. I both agree and disagree with this choice for Best Picture, or La La Land's not winning of Best Picture, should I say, and I will talk about that in a blog coming up on SomewhatNerdy.com, so be sure to check that out. Well, future fans, that was the potatoes of this podcast. Let's get into the meat of it. The first movie this week is a movie called My Scientology Movie. By the way, if you notice I sound a little weird, it's because I have yet another cold, but this time, my future fans, it is not my fault. Please blame my family and my girlfriend. They are the ones who gave it to me. I am innocent in this. It is not my fault. Okay, but back with the show. That first movie is called My Scientology Movie. A British-American documentary filmmaker, Louis Thoreau, investigates the Church of Scientology. It's either Louis or Louis. I don't know. He's British and fancy, so it's probably Lewis. I'll go with Lewis. Okay, but wow, really? Another movie about how bad crazy Scientologists are? That's a low-hanging fruit if I ever saw one. Let's do a documentary about how Walmart people are weird. Ooh, edgy. Thoreau's next project is a documentary about Donald Trump. That's the lowest hanging of the low-hanging fruit. Only reason that one has a chance at making any money is the fact that by the time it's done, it'll still be topical, assuming he hasn't gone off the deep end by then and been impeached. Uh, we've seen this before. We've seen this movie before. Thoreau isn't a bad documentary maker. He has wit and is on the same level as Sasha Baron Cohen when it comes to giving f but who knows? Thoreau may honestly have a good documentary on his hands, but the timing couldn't be worse. True, the truth shouldn't have a time limit, but when it's being presented as a documentary, it's supposed to have a level of entertainment to it, and the timeliness of a topic can affect its entertainment value. The best case scenario for this movie is that this topic interests you at all, and in that case, you should still wait for streaming or rental. If this doesn't interest you at all, then skip it like a scratched CD. My Scientology movie gets a 3 out of 11. You know, I should take some time to talk to you about my drink today. And today it's actually not a beer. It's a mixed drink. 
And have you ever heard that rumor that uh, I actually looked it up and it's supposed to be true that Mountain Dew was created to be a mixer for whiskey. So I grabbed myself some Mountain Dew, I grabbed myself some whiskey, and I mixed the two. And you know what? It's not bad. What the Mountain Dew does is complement the whiskey flavor so it's still there, but it takes that bite out of it that you know when you take a shot of whiskey there's still no matter how much you actually like it there's still that kind of bite to it well this takes that bite away mountain dew and whiskey try it it's not that bad but let's get on with the next movie and that next movie is called table 19 eloise used to be the maid of honor but after her boyfriend of two years dumps her by text she finds herself relegated to the lonesome table 19 it's the table reserved for the people that the bride and groom never thought would actually come. This stars Anna Kendrick from Into the Woods, Lisa Kudrow from Friends, Stephen Merchant from An Idiot Abroad, Craig Robinson from Zack and Mary Make a Porno, Tony Revolori from The Grand Budapest Hotel, and June Squibb from Nebraska. This is directed by Jeffrey Blitz, who directed shows like The Office, the U.S. version, and Review. Uh, this was written by Jay and Mark Duplis. Uh, Jay is from the show Transparent, and Mark is on the show The League. Apparently, they're both writers, too, and uh, teamed up to write this movie. This looks cute. Kind of like Revenge of the Nerds banged the Breakfast Club. A ragtag group of nobodies gets placed together at a wedding, and I assume hijinks ensue. This is a film that stars the supporting cast. Everyone in it is known, but rarely from their own projects. Anna Kendrick is huge, but isn't really a leading lady yet. Lisa Kudrow was huge during Friends, but let's face it, Phoebe wasn't anyone's favorite friend. Table 19 is going to be a subtler comedy. Is that a word? Well, it is now. It's a subtle comedy, which won't have a boatload of in-your-face jokes like The Office Christmas Party or Masterminds did. Uh, this film also seems to have a romantic side story, without having the romance taking the center stage. But I could be wrong on that. It could just be a trailer that was made to showcase the comedy instead of the romance. Uh, this movie should have been released Valentine's weekend to give the coupley masses something else to watch besides that eye cancer called Fifty Shades Darker. This is going to be a cute and funny movie, but nothing that should be watched in theaters. The only reason it's getting a theatrical release is to legitimize it so it's not a straight-to-video movie. Table 19 gets a 7 out of 11. Alright, my friends, the next movie on this illustrious list is The Last Word. Harriet wants to find the right person to write her obituary, and she gets the help of a young journalist who dives into her past to find out more about the friendless woman. This stars Shirley MacLaine from Terms of Endearment and Amanda Seyfried from Mamma Mia. This movie really confuses me, not because it looks bad, but just because of the premise. The premise I gave is one I reworded from IMDb, but from the looks of the trailer and the synopsis according to other sources said that McLean's character wants to write her own obituary before she dies and convinces a local paper to allow it and they assign Seyfried to the story, but she refuses to let McLean tell the whole story and investigates herself. In what world is this a plausible premise? Well, my grandparents died each time well, they only died once, I'm talking about each individual grandparent, uh, each time they were allowed to write, we were allowed to write our own obituary. Also, 
A lot of times you can set something up with your lawyer or even with the mortuary itself that when you die to have a certain obituary written and to have all these different plans acted upon. My grandfather set up his entire service years before he passed, so when he died we didn't have to do a thing. If he could, why couldn't McLean's character do such a small thing as write her own obituary? And why was this made such a big part of the plot? Why was this premise that could be so easily changed in the real world, why is that such a big part? Okay, my problem with the whole premise aside, this looks well acted, which is no surprise, but it does look like a movie we've seen before. An older person has to come to terms with the fact that they're going to die and looks back on their life. They start to find new joys in life as they try and right the wrongs of the past. I always say that it's okay to have a borrowed premise if you add something new to the mix. Most recently, the movie Get Out did that very well. But for this movie, the only thing it seems to add is the flawed premise, and that's it. We do get the benefit of watching the legendary Shirley MacLaine and the very talented Amanda Seyfried in action together, but it's not enough. This doesn't look terrible, but just predictable and tired, the great actors aside. It could still be very good, but so far it doesn't have enough going for it to warrant a theater trip. The last word gets a 6 out of 11. Alright my friends, we have one movie before the break, one movie, and that movie is called Wolves. A high school basketball star has hopes of being recruited by Cornell, but his hopes are threatened when his family can't pay his tuition to high school. His mother works herself to the bone while his father gambles it all away. This stars Taylor John Smith from American Crime, Michael Shannon from Man of Steel, and Carla Gugino from Night at the Museum. Uh, from what I'm told, this was what the show One Tree Hill was supposed to be like before it became a TV drama. This movie looks okay, but I really don't have much to say. It doesn't look bad, but I'm not pumped about it at all. The acting looks solid, the plot looks engaging and plausible, it looks well shot and well written, but there's nothing about it that excites me. If this does look like something up your alley, then I hate to say it, but this is going to get a very limited theatrical release and an internet release down the line. It could be like Manchester by the Sea and will be free on Amazon or Netflix later, but will only be available to buy or rent in the immediate future. If you want to watch this, then be ready for a heavy drama with very few light-hearted moments. There's nothing wrong with movies like that, of course, it's just that you have to be ready for them. To reiterate, it looks like a perfectly good movie that just doesn't have anything to draw in the crowds or my attention at all. Wolves gets a 5 out of 11. Alright, future fans, it is time for our first and only break here on Future Flex with Billiam, so please stay tuned from a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. 
And we're back. I, I just had to re-record that because my voice kind of cracked the first time. It's like I'm going through puberty again. Second puberty. I'm even more of a man. That's awesome. All right, cool. That's that's why I choose to believe, and it's not the cold affecting my voice. Hey, guys. I have some great movies for you. Did you hear they're making an Avatar 2? Oh, my God. All right, now that second puberty is over, let's get on with the movies this week. The next one up is called The Shack. Mac's daughter is brutally murdered in a shack in the middle of the woods. During his grieving, Mac receives a letter from God inviting him to the shack. Once there, he spends a weekend with the Holy Trinity. This stars Sam Worthington from Everest, Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures, Tim McGraw from The Blind Side, and Rada Mitchell from Silent Hill. That's right, they did put a lot of thought into the name. Uh, let's make this movie about a girl who dies in a shack and the dad's invited back by God. What should we call it? Oh, no, The Shack? It's either that or Gone Daughter. Okay, let's get on with this. <laughs> Yet another Christian feel-good movie. Uh, for those of you who may be new, allow me to reiterate my feelings on these movies. I am a Christian, but I hate movies like this that have no purpose other than to preach to the choir. Movies like this should hit the church circuit just like Kirk Cameron movies. Sure, there are some Christian-themed movies that deserve big-screen viewings like Passion of the Christ or The Ten Commandments, but not all of them should. I'm really surprised that this is getting not only a wide release, but has notable actors in it. Well, two notable actors at least. Tim McGraw isn't a bad actor, but him being in a Christian movie doesn't surprise me. But let's put everything faith-related aside for a bit and talk about this as a movie. You know, the point of my podcast. As a movie, this looks run-of-the-mill. It's a run-of-the-mill story of grief and overcoming it. This movie has been made before, just maybe not with a man spending time with a trinity in a cabin. Sorry, a shack. Sure, that could be the new spin that I'm always saying a movie needs to be interesting, but new things aren't inherently interesting. If you want to watch a spiritual movie that breaks your heart and then warms it, this is your film. If none of what I talked about strikes your fancy at all, then be like Billiam and skip this movie. I mean, seriously, watch the trailer and tell and try and tell me that looks interesting. Honestly, if it does look interesting to you, that's great. Watch it. Do your thing. But this doesn't look interesting at all, and it looks like a movie that forces feels down our throats. The Shack gets a 4 out of 11. Alright folks, we have two movies left. That's two movies left this week. Once again, I'm not going to try and play coy. You know what my pick is. So I'm just going to go on with the next movie, which is Before I Fall. The last day of Sam's life is just like any other, until she dies. The next day, she wakes up and finds it's the same day all over again. She's stuck in a loop and must solve the mystery of her death and learn everything she's going to lose. This stars Zoe Deutsch from Dirty Grandpa, Halston Sage from Paper Towns, and Logan Miller from The Walking Dead. Okay, so take Groundhog Day and add some angsty teens and BOOM you get Before I Fall. Alright, there's a bit more to it than that, but the basic premise is the same. This girl will have to make all the right choices in order to get out of the loop. Okay, here are the differences between this and Groundhog's Day, and in this movie's defense there are a lot of them. In this movie, Sam is one of the cool kids, just like Echo Smith wants to be, and during her multiple trips, she realizes that she kind of sucks. Well, maybe it's more that her group of friends and her priorities suck, so the idea is that she changes to be the kind of person she should have been. Also, Groundhog Day had that heavy romantic undertone where 
Interestingly enough, this movie doesn't have a subplot based on a romantic interest, at least not one that was shown in the trailer. The question now is, will she still die in the end having only been her ideal person for one day, or will she keep on living as a reward for her work? This movie is based off a young adult novel by Lauren Oliver and was turned into a screenplay by Maria Magenti, who wrote Monte Carlo. Like a lot of movies based off young adult fiction, this doesn't mean an adult can't like it. It's just going to limit the audience. This film is targeted towards girls 15 to 18, maybe even into early 20s, sometimes a bit younger depending on the person. But the target audience is going to be smaller than, say, any of the other movies I've talked about. But still, adults can still like it, just like with Harry Potter, just like with Hunger Games, just like with Vampire Academy, the Detergent series, and Maze Runner. Just like with those, an adult can still like it. Am I just trying to justify myself watching it later? Maybe. Maybe I am. Don't judge me. You don't know me. Get off my back, alright? Which brings me to my next point. If you're an old dude, are you going to like this movie? Maybe. It looks like a fine movie, but nothing that sparks so much interest in me that I need to watch it in theaters. I'll watch this movie, but only after it comes out on DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, and if I decide if I want to read the book or not. Before I Fall gets a 7 out of 11. Alright, my friends, let's jump right into the last movie, because you know what it is. I know what it is, of course, because this is my podcast. Everyone knows what it is. Billiam's pick of the week is Logan. Set in the future, Logan is hiding and caring for an ailing Charles Xavier, but his plans to keep a low-profile change when a young mutant arrives on his doorstep with the bad guys hot on her trail. This stars Hugh Jackman from, well, all the other movies where he's played Wolverine, and Patrick Stewart from all the other movies where he's played Professor Xavier, which is for the past 17 years, interestingly enough. Boyd Holbrook from Narcos is also in this, along with Stephen Merchant from An Idiot Abroad. This is his second movie this week. And the first theatrical role for Daphne Keene. This is the big one this week. This is going to show us if Fox has learned any lessons from Deadpool and chose to implement them in this, or if they went the meh route, a la X-Men Apocalypse, or if they went this shit route, a la Fantastic Four. So far, the movie looks amazing, but this could be the work of Trailer Guy, and the movie actually would be shit. So, on March 3rd, we'll find out what's what. Is it actually a good movie, or do we curse Trailer Guy once again for making great trailers, but not actually making a movie? According to Slash Films, Hugh Jackman took a pay cut to secure an R rating for Logan. The director, James Mangold, Mangold, it sounds like a schlong is made out of gold. Anyway, James Mangold wanted the Wolverine to be rated R, Wolver the Wolverine of course being the last one, but Fox wouldn't go for it. So for this movie, Mangold and Jackman, <laughs> that sounds like an awful porn duo, Mangold and Jackman star in X-Men, a porn calypse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but <laughs> Mangold and Jackman went to the bargaining table with an offer that Fox couldn't refuse. A cheaper star. Okay, okay, I had an idea. For the next male porn star to hit the circuit, here is your name, Huge Jackman. Alright, let's get back on track here. This isn't based off any comic book, but inspiration was taken from Old Man Logan by Mark Miller and Steve McNiven. The character of Laura Kinney, aka X-23, is taken from the comics, though she's a bit younger in this movie than in the comics. This looks like a 
dark movie, the darkest comic book movie since The Watchmen. That's really the tone Wolverine has always needed. True, or early Wolverine comics weren't as dark, but as comic stories have progressed, so have their tones, so has Wolverine. The only thing I don't know how I feel about is having an X-Men comic in the movie. If you've watched a trailer, you may have seen the one where Wolverine is holding a comic, showing it to Charles Xavier, saying, looks like we have an X-Men fan here, or whatever he sounds like. It's the weird fourth wall break. Did they do it in the comics? I never followed the X-Men that much. I was always a DC fan, so if there are X-Men comics in the world of the X-Men, please let me know in the comments, or hit me up on Twitter or email. Let me know. This looks violent and gritty, which is exactly what I've wanted from a movie starring Wolverine for a long time. It also looks well shot. The cin cinematography looks really good. The lighting, the tone, the costumes, everything looks like it comes together perfectly for this movie. This looks like the comic book movie that 20th Century Fox always should have made. Deadpool was the movie that they kept on taking money away from, so they had to change the movie as it was being made. This was a movie that they knew going into it that they wanted to make, that they knew from Deadpool that this was the right choice, that making an R-rated movie was the right choice, that making a such a dark movie is the right choice, that making a violent movie was the right choice, that they didn't do the same thing to, the, to Logan as they did to Deadpool. So this looks like their chance to show the world that they have learned their lesson, that they're not going to make another Fantastic Four. So let me finish all this by saying that Logan looks like the Wolverine movie we've always wanted. And while 20th Century Fox is getting better with the X-Men movies, it looks like they finally found the correct tone for Wolverine, but unfortunately it's with the final movie. Logan gets a 10 out of 11. Alright my friends, that is it. That is it for episode 32 of Future Flicks with Billiam. So allow me to wrap this up, as I always do, with my housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I'd love five stars or a like, or if you'd share the podcast, leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. How do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm Billiam, S-W-N. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? I'm Billiam, S-W-N there as well. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network and check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, the best swearity I've ever listened to. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.